Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, church, remember where we left off last week, okay? We, uh, we are in a parenthetical break in the judgment of God, but let me just remind you, the judgment of God is being poured out in a world that has rejected him. And I know that's hard to understand. I know that's difficult to see, especially like in Texas where it's like, hey, everybody's a Christian. But there is going to be a group of people that say, no, 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 we want nothing to do with God. And God is going to pour out his judgments and they're going to, remember, they're going to um, intensify in uh, moving forward, okay? Starts off and it's kind of, whoa, what's going on? And, and, uh, and all of a sudden the judgments are going to get more intense, more intense, more intense. And, 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 and as I was studying this, I've got to be honest with you. Here's what really breaks my heart. And what breaks my heart should break yours. You go, what's that? Well, according to Revelation chapter nine, just a couple of weeks ago, verses 20 and 21, it says this, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by the plagues, listen, did not repent of their works, of their hands, that they should worship demons, idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, wood, which neither can hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Your attention, please. Think about that. Think about that, guys. The world has gone completely chaotic People die in judgments. I mean, these ugly-looking demon from the abyss is coming out, and it's torturing you for five months, and they're going, no, I'm fine. Hey, man, you need to turn to God. No, I don't need God. I just need my idol. And so I guess my question is this. What kind of heart do you have to have to survive total chaos and the wrath of God, and not repent from those things. I was thinking, what kind of heart do you have to have? I mean, think about this, guys. People, people, fellow human beings, are going to be so in love with darkness and so bound in their idolatry their love of violence and perversion, that even when the world is being destroyed around them and their loved ones being taken, they refuse to repent. That breaks my heart. And I, and I know what you're thinking. You're going, Ben, this is really hard to believe. It is, because remember, this is future. This is like, okay, Ben, this many. And, and, and the problem is, let's be honest, we see this happening in our own nation today, do we not? We see this happening. And the Lord, the Lord God of heaven is letting the scales fall from our eyes so we can see. And, and what, he's, what he's doing is he's speaking volumes, guys, volumes for those, for his people to get ready for his return. And I understand, I am like Chicken Little. Hey, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. But guys, we got to heed the warning. And all he's asking us to do is be ready. Be ready. Get your house in order. What does that mean? Man, love the Lord your God. Understand he's coming back. Be ready, look for him. And then live your life like you've never lived it before. Live your life like you've never lived it. Before. Well, Pastor Ben, I've got a question. What if he doesn't come back for 10 years? And then we've got 10 years of just living in God's grace and mercy. We do. We do. Guys, but he's also speaking loudly to those that are far from him. And he's asking them to repent and to turn to him. And so many people have turned their heart away from the God that created them. And even today, and you guys know this, so many people are actually fighting against God. You know, it's not that they're like, eh, eh, I don't know. I'm just going to do my life. They're actually fighting against, like, like you'll post something on social media and you'll have, you'll have guys, I mean, you'll have friends 
bros. All sedentary. Whoa, where did that come from? And, and, and see, I think the God of this world, guys, the, the little G, the God of this world, has made people to believe that their intelligence is a weapon to fight against those who are fully devoted to God. My, my, well, you, uh, uh, uh. And so many called believers, guys, will spend hours debating what God's word says in an effort to convince somebody or someone else that they're right, smarter, or they know more. They'll spend hours doing that. It's like, no, 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 no. This is the word of God. But you and I, were different. How so? We walk by faith. Okay? We trust in the word of God. We don't know it all, Eva. We don't understand all of it, but we trust it. Okay, this is what God said. From Genesis to Revelation, we trust it, don't we, Soph? We stand on that. We walk on that. Guys, this is what we do. Somebody comes out, well, let me tell you what I think. No, here's what the word of God says. I can love you as a brother. We might disagree, but I'm going to stand on God's word. I'm going to stand on God's word. He says he's coming back for me. He says, watch for the signs. He says, look, you guys see those clouds over there? You guys know that a storm is coming. Did we not see that the other night? Okay. Everybody else on a tornado warning would be inside, not us Texans. Check it out. Look at that photo cloud. Wow. Cool. No, everybody else is... You know, the TV screaming, get in your shelter. And we're like, nah, we're Texans. <laughs> I go take pictures, right, Mike? <laughs> so, we, so we did. And um, but we believe in the word of God. We believe in the word. We walk by faith, guys. We don't have to know everything. But we trust and we lean, not on our own understanding. But I know this. In all our ways, we acknowledge him, and then he directs our path. That's what we do. Now, last week, John, the Apostle John, on the island of Patmos, revealing Jesus to us, he's told to measure the temple. Told to measure the temple. Now, this is a new temple. Okay? This is a new temple. And he's asked to measure it. He's asked to measure the altar. And then he's asked to measure the worshipers. And for all intents and purposes, we, you and I, won't be here. Okay, we're not going to see the third temple. Or fourth, if you kind of believe, remember, Zerubbabel built a temple and Herod came in and he improved on the temple, but we call it Herod's temple and they call it the second temple. But anyways, the point is, is that there's going to be another temple and you and I are not going to be here. Now, remember this in our... Are we living in the last day study? Do you guys remember? The closer we are, the rapture, to the tribute, to the signing of the peace treaty, we might see some of these things. We might see a one world government forming. We might see someone who we think might be the Antichrist. But the farther the tribulation is from the rapture, we won't see any of it. And here's what I'm hoping. I don't see any of that stuff. This is about as far as I go. Well, you guys know what's going on in Israel. It's crazy. Lebanon has now gotten in this. Lebanon has no business in this. Man, is this Ezekiel 38 and 39? Well, it's, it's not because Israel has to be at peace. But watch out after this. You guys know what I'm talking about? Once this ends, watch, because now if all of Israel's are at peace, could, could turn into that. Are we going to see it? Maybe not. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. But you and I, where are we going to be? (sighs) The marriage supper of the Lamb. That's where we're going to be. Guys, and it lasts in heaven for seven years. But I wonder if we're going to be so in awe that seven years are going to pass like that. Wait, what? Whoa, whoa, why do we have to go back now, Lord? (laughs) We just got here. I just sat down, right? (sighs) He says, don't worry, we'll, we'll be back. Okay. You go, well, Ben, what was our takeaway from last week? Well, if you weren't here, remember, our application was simple. As fully devoted followers of Christ, we too are measured. Because remember, measured means ownership. It means ownership. It implies ownership, and it implies you're also evaluation. And so as he's saying, this is our takeaway, guys, that we too are measured in the sense that we belong to God. Do we, are we really his? Completely completely. You guys tracking with me? I'll tell you why. Because when you say, God, I give you my whole heart, 
I want to make sure that my heart is whole to give to him. Okay? Because, listen, little secret, I have a tendency to give my heart to a lot of things. God, here's my uh, partial heart. Because my interests are over here and over here and over here. No, no, no. I want to give my whole heart to God. God, I, I want to give you my whole. Listen, I don't just want you to be a, listen, God, God's not going, listen, give me all of your heart. I want it all. He's going to, he, he's going to, he's going to just bless us with the things we enjoy and we love. But he wants our whole heart. He wants our whole heart. Guys, he, and so it's ownership. You realize that ownership means you've given up your rights to Jesus. You're a bondservant. You're a slave. He owns you. That's what it means. But it also allows him, you ready, to evaluate the property. Okay? And you go, why would, why would I want him to evaluate me? I'll tell you why. Because I want him to make the necessary changes in my life. You guys, you guys with me? There are a lot of places I think I know I need to change. There are a lot of things that I would love to change, but when God does the evaluation, he, he does it so gently and so loving. You, you understand that, right? And all of a sudden, a little bit at a time. Oh, 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 that hurts, Lord. Oh, I know, I know, I got you, I got you, but I'm making you more like me. I'm making you more like me. That's what we talked about last week. Well, today, guys, we pick up where we left off. Okay. Now, last week, we read about something, something so spectacular that it's going to happen in Israel. What's that? Two mighty and powerful witnesses come out of the Bible, literally, guys, and begin sharing the love of God to the world. Now, you go, wait, wait, Ben, I thought they were in Israel. But remember, guys, we live in real time now. Okay, we have live streaming, you can see something. So as they share with Israel, guess who's going to benefit? The whole world. The whole world. I pray that it's something people are going to be wanting. Now, chapter 9 said they're not going to repent. But I wonder if there's going to be some people going, God, we need something. And these two witnesses come out of the box. But, but, but I, wonder, I wonder if they're going to be mocked. I wonder if you'll be mocked. Not that you're here. But I wonder if those will be, well, you're telling me these two Bible characters are walking around Israel. (laughs) Please, come on. That's just funny. But God's word has already declared it. Okay? And what are they doing? They're they're witnessing. They're witnessing. And you guys remember, Mr. Webster defines witnessing as this, to bear witness to, to testify, to give or afford advice of, a person or thing serving as evidence to testimony or evidence. That's what you are. Now, listen, this is key. This is key because we're going to look at two witnesses, but this is key. And you go, why? Because witnessing is, witnessing is not something you do. Witnessing is something you are. A natural byproduct comes out of your heart. That's witnessing. That's witnessing. You can't help it. You might start talking about something... And the conversation comes back to the Lord. It's just in you. It's just in you. That's just who you are. And you start off with like, hey, did you see my little kid do this? Or hey, what about this? Or hey, Pastor Self, I want to buy a car. Whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, but it comes back to the Lord. Hey, I noticed. What? Jesus. And it's just, man. But it's a beautiful moment when we share. Why? Because, listen, if you find out that somebody is a believer, boo, you have, you've gained a brother. Boo, you're a believer. I'm a believer. I love Jesus. Okay, you guys know your spirit testifies, right? You know that. And if they're not a believer, guys, we do it gently. We don't beat them over the head with the Bible. Well, listen, you're going to go to hell if you don't. We just say, hey, listen, listen. Man, man, listen. Witnessing. You go, Witnessing. It's witnessing. Why? Because we need help in witnessing. You go, well, well, what do you mean? Well, think about this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay? 
That's the epi experience upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea. He says, this is the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Now, listen, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit to come, came and lived in you. That's, your, that's, that's how you live. Oh, should I do this? No, no, no. The Holy Spirit's like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go there. Be careful. Be careful. The Holy Spirit is amazing. I went to Home Depot the other day, and I had bought something for the church, and I'm walking out, right? And in the basket area was, was a, a, I don't know, some glue or something. I think it was Gorilla Glue. Inside the basket, somebody had bought left in the group. So, oh, right, my first thought, now don't judge, was, hey, we could use this for the church. That was my first thought. Wow, Lord, what a blessing. But you know what? The Holy Spirit said, mm-mm, take it back inside. Oh, really, Lord? That's a long walk over there. We could use Gorilla Glue. You never... The Lord's like, so I took it back. Hey, somebody left us in the cart. Oh, thank you. Lord, they just threw it. But you did what I told you. You did what I told you. Okay? You got the Holy Spirit in you. That's witnessing. But you can also be a witness by other things. When God puts something on your heart, has God ever put something on your heart and you're fighting with him about it, right? Usually it involves money, right? Give him that. Mm -mm. Lord, I ain't got no money, you know? But you know when he does, right? And so so all of a sudden you start debating. Let's see, God sounds a lot like me. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's not me. No, no, you know it's God and you are not satisfied until you do that. Hey, the Lord told me, Put this on my heart. Said, give this to you, man. God bless you. God bless you. Do you guys remember I had said, I had said this? Um, the Lord had put on my heart to send another pastor uh, some gift cards. Guess what? I kept wondering. He, he never said anything to me. That's weird. Okay, Lord, well, I'm not looking for a thank you. Well, it came back in the mail. It never reached him. I got it the other day. I was like, Wow. So I text him. I said, hey, listen, I sent it to the address, bro. And he's like, and I felt like it was a little bit different. I sent it like the beginning of May, got it back like two days ago, and I actually took it to him today. And it was one of those things where you go, Lord, you brought the, I mean, it was a perfect address, but you brought this back because you wanted me to spend time in fellowship with him. And I don't know if he needed it or I needed it, but I know God is good. But that's the Holy Spirit, right? Hey, bro, I don't know why this came back. He goes, that's the right address. Okay, well, I'll, let, let, me, let me go take it to you. And he was so blessed. He was so blessed. So witnessing is not something we do, but it's something we are. I like the way one person put it. It's one beggar showing another beggar where to buy bread. That's all it is. See, there's no, there's no pride in being a beggar. Well, let me tell you, if you would just read the Bible like me, you wouldn't be in the position you're in. See, I read the Bible cover to cover every day. I read the whole Bible. You do? Well, you know, I know a lot of script. No, no, no. It's like, listen, I'm a, I'm a beggar. I know where bread is. You hungry? Okay, come on. That's all it is, guys. There's no, there's no pride in that. God doesn't want us to walk in pride. He wants us to walk in humility. He wants us to walk in brokenness. That's where we left off, okay? Now, let's read together. Let's go ahead and just start from verse 1. Okay, we're going to read all the way to verse 14, but we'll close with verse 14. Revelation 11.1 says, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and an angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave the outer court, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it. For God has given it to the Gentiles, and he will, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. Verse 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy. How much? 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are two olive trees and two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have powers to shut the heaven, so no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over water to turn them to blood, to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. 
And when they finish their testimony, the beast descends out of the bottomless pit and will make war against them and overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street in the great city, spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also the Lord is crucified. Then those from the people, tribes, and tongues of the nation will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put in graves. And those who dwell in the earth, check this out, guys, will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who are on the earth. Now, after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood to their feet, and great fear fell upon those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. This... Or the second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Now, woo, lot to cover here. Two witnesses. Two witnesses, guys. The first thing we must learn is why two. Why two? Okay? Why the two witnesses? Well, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, it says, The Lord declared that in the mouth of two witnesses, every word would be established. Okay, so we see that it's in the word of God. This is how we, we do. Okay, always should be two witnesses. John chapter 20, verse 12 says, two angels stood at the tomb. Okay, there was two angels. And so there's always two. Remember that Jesus sent out his disciples to, uh, in groups of two, two by two. Okay, so we see the pattern of two throughout scriptures. And in the mouth of two witnesses, every word will be established. That's what we see. So we see two witnesses. Now, here's what we're going to learn. If you're taking note, here's what I recommend, okay? I want to know, I want us to know five things. Five things we're going to grasp about, about these witnesses. But these are also five things that we can apply to our lives as we go out and witness to Lubbock, Texas today. You guys with me? Number one, jot this down. Their message. Their message, okay? The Bible says that they were sent to prophesy. This is their message. Now, in the New Testament, that word prophesy usually means something different from how it's used in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, it's used to predict events that were going to happen in the future. Here's what I want you to do. Thus saith the Lord, watch out, okay? But in the New Testament, here's what it says. It means to proclaim God's word. It's to proclaim God's mind and God's heart. So in essence, guys, when you witness and you're sharing the word of God, you're prophesying. I didn't know I was a prophet. Well, you're really not a prophet, but you're sharing the mind of God, his heart. I never get tired of saying, well, the Bible says. Well, the Bible says, because it's better than I say. The Bible says, here's what the word of God says. Here's what the Word of God says. So these guys, these guys, guys, ministry is probably, guys, compromised by both predicting, hey, guys, turn, and a warning of the future judgment awaited because we still got some more judgment to come to all those who would take the mark and would continue to reject God. Listen, side note, side note, side note, ready? The Bible says when you take the mark that you're condemned, there's no turning back. And so these guys are going, listen, this is it. Don't take the mark. Let me tell you God's love. Please repent. Please. And they're getting deep into it, guys. They're getting deep into it. But along with the warning and the predicting, guys, would come a, and here's where we come in, a pleading for men to repent and turn to God. Listen, the gospel changes hearts. The gospel will change your heart if you let it. It will. It will transform you from the inside out. Guys, I've seen it. How many of us could testify and stand up and go, you don't know who I was. You don't know who I was. You don't know. And it's changed. It's changed. I like to pick on Sov because he's here, but uh, have you ever heard his testimony? 
His testimony is, I mean, this is a guy that would, I mean, God changed his heart literally. And God has grown him so much in the last 17 years. And, and again, but, it, but you weren't born saved, were you? No, we're not born saved. Mike, right? It's, I mean, you guys, right? God changed our heart. When I keep trying, I mess up. But when God does it, he, and that's what the gospel does, guys. And so, again, it's like, listen, please. It's not that we want to go, hey, I'm going to put a notch on my belt. How many people am I going to save? It's not that. It's like, I know God can change you. And I'm not saying that your circumstances are going to be better. And I'm not saying that life is going to be. And, and you know what? Listen, and it's like, it's like, you know, when you play country music backwards, like you get your dog back and your truck back and your, I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is it changes your life. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you pray. It changes who you are. And this is exactly what they're doing, guys. And we see God's mercy here. The thing I love about the book of Revelation is the effort that God extends to the earth for people to get right with him. You know, when we witness and, and people reject us, oh, you're crazy, you're just not rah, rah, you know, just really, even, even angry. We get in the flesh, don't we? We turn around and go, well, fine, you do whatever you want to then, I don't care. God doesn't do that. His heart actually breaks and he goes, man, I got to go to great effort. Why? Have you ever asked yourself, why seven years? Why seven years? I'll tell you why. Listen. Guys, because God could wipe out and, and do what he wants in one swift swoop. Boom, done, over. Rapture, done, come back. But he's giving people a chance to repent. He's giving people, people a chance to... <sighs> That's their message. Number two, jot this down, their attitude. Their attitude, yeah, check it out, verse three. It says that they're clothed in what, guys? Sackcloth. Sackcloth. Guys, their attitude is revealed in their dress. They're not coming in with Armani suits. You guys get that, right? They're not coming in going, hey, look at me, GQ, feeling good. They're coming in, guys, in a sackcloth. Now, they're wearing a sackcloth is going to be, it's an object lesson for the world. You go, Ben, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, here it is. It's, it's showing their great sorrow for the wickedness of the world. And this would be a special sign to the Jews with whom would be a custom to wear sackcloth in times of great mourning and disgrace. And it would be an indication of them, of the Lord's heart, concerning their spiritual condition. Their spiritual condition. Ah, breaks my heart, they're saying. We're in mourning. If you don't think God loves you, wow. That is so, I mean, think about it. Their dress reveals God's heart towards people. Number three, their identity. Their identity. And that's been the biggest question when Revelation, who are these guys? Who are these guys? Okay? Notice what it says. It says, these are, verse 4, these are the two olive trees and two lampstands standing before God, right, of the earth. Those two, now in your mind, okay, so look at me for a second, okay? Remember, John wrote, right, with Jewish people in mind because they understood the Old Testament. And Nero would have went, this guy's crazy. He's talking about two people that look like trees and lampstands. Foo-coo-coo. John's been on the island of Patmos too much. But the Jewish people would get it. They would go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the two olive trees, guys, would, would provide a perpetual flow of oil into the lampstands. So the priest would no longer have to fill the lampstands with oil. And the lampstands represented the Holy Spirit. Now, these two witnesses would be endowed, listen to me, with great power from the Lord. A continual flow. Now, we got to chat about this one for a moment. we got to chat about this one. Why? Because I think here's where we're missing it. You go, Ben, what do you mean? We can as well. 
we can as well. You see, back in the day, there was an abuse of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit, so much so that it made the church in general afraid of the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, I don't want to receive the Holy Spirit and just ah go crazy. I don't want to be part of that. And so everybody sort of backed away from the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to go to church. And we're just, listen, and we're going to raise our hands, but we'll raise them maybe like this. Or, we're, you know, or you're going to do this. And, and, and so they got really afraid. But the point is, guys, is that, listen, the Holy Spirit, guys, is this is exactly what it is. We can be filled with God's Holy Spirit. We can be filled with God's Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that flows through our lives that helps us become witnesses. But we need to get up every morning and ask God's Holy Spirit to fill us afresh and fill us anew. He's the one that keeps us going. He's the one that makes us sensitive. He's the one that helps us look at people and see them as God's creation and not, oh, well, they're just, oh, wait, 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 wait. I need the Holy Spirit. We need, we need, we need the filling of the Holy Spirit daily in our lives. And I can't tell you how many times I've come so short of falling on that and missing it. You see, Acts chapter, jot this down, Acts chapter 4, verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place that they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke the word of God with boldness. Can you imagine? Could you imagine today, guys, we're here, we're in Bible study. Man, all of a sudden the the building starts to shake and the Holy Spirit falls upon us. And we all went out with boldness to tell people about Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Don't be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation. It says, But be filled with the Spirit. Well, Ben, 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 I got a question. What does it mean being filled with God's Holy Spirit? It's allowing the Lord to direct our hearts to share God's love for people. You know, our words can hurt or they can heal. And when we're filled, listen to me, when we're filled with God's Spirit on a daily basis i got to be honest with you. I tend to say less hurtful things than when I'm not filled with God's Holy Spirit. I think this is an important point to make right here. I think this is a great truth. You go, what's that, Ben? Our walk needs to match our talk. It has to. Guys, if we're sharing about Jesus to those who are lost and alone, make sure our actions and our behavior are in line with a life filled with Jesus. You guys, you guys with me? Now, listen, I'm not saying that we have to be perfect, but I'm saying that as we share Christ, that we're humble. Okay? That we share Christ, that we're compassionate. When we share Christ, guys, that we're attentive. Okay? When we share Christ, guys, that, that not only are we tempted, but we're giving. These are all the attributes of God. It is so hard to witness to people when I haven't been in, in prayer with God or filled with it. It's so hard, right? It's so hard when I'm messed up. When I mean, and I know, I know, don't look at me that way. I'm, I'm the pastor, but, you know, when I mess up, it's hard to tell somebody about Jesus because the Lord, because I feel like I'm being so convicted. Well, what about you? You're not doing that. It's so much better. Go, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me today afresh so I can serve you. You're going to serve that. You're going to, you're going to do that to, to these guys. Do it to me. Oh, by the way, um, the Holy Spirit helps us to listen. Right? The Holy Spirit helps us to listen. And uh, not only to respond, 
but more importantly, to understand. How important is that? How important is that? So, Ben, question. Who are these guys? Who are these guys? Well, here it is. Here's my best theological answer. I'm not sure. Okay? Uh, but some, some believe that it's Moses and Elijah coming straight out of the Bible. You go, Moses and Elijah? Well, we know it's Elijah for sure. Okay, jot that down. You go, how so? Because Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 said, predicted that Elijah would return before the Messiah comes. Okay, so you know that Elijah. Now, some people go, well, Ben, maybe it's John the Baptist. Okay, maybe it's John the Baptist, but um, he came already in the spirit of Elijah. So, so again, you're just like, ah. Now, remember, Elijah didn't die. Okay, um, but the word of God tells us that according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 20, it is appointed for man to die. So, Elijah didn't die. Who else didn't die? Well, some people think it's Enoch, because Enoch didn't die. Remember I told you that? So some go, wait, 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 it's, it must be Elijah and Enoch. But check this out, check this out. Let's just say it is Elijah and Enoch. You guys with me? Let's just say. Okay, so they do their thing, man, and, and I mean, fire comes out from their mouth, and they're, you know, doing their ministry. Well, then they die. And you're going, okay. But then they're resurrected. And then they are ascended to heaven. So they get like a twofer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they, they get to go twice. Because Elijah was like, Pfft. And I'm thinking it could be them. But, but what about Moses? What about, what, what about Moses? Well, some people go, well, maybe Moses. Other people go, well, maybe, maybe it's like a, a Lazarus because he brought Lazarus back to life. And it's like, no, but see, Lazarus died again. He died again, and the Jews believed that the promise made that the Lord in Deuteronomy 18.15, that he was going to raise up a prophet like Moses, and it was evidence of his return. Also, in Matthew chapter 17, it was both who? Do you remember? Moses and Elijah, who appeared at the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Well, I don't know if we can tie that in. No, I don't know if we can either, and I'll tell you why. Because Moses and Elijah represented the law and the prophets of the Old Testament. The law and the prophets, speaking with the one who fulfilled both the law and the prophets. You're like, well, Ben, who is it? You ready? I don't know. I don't know. But it could be Moses. It could be. I know it's Elijah, because think about this, guys. Think about this. In verse 6, it says, they have the power to shut the heavens. Do you remember this? So that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. We got a bunch of rain just these past couple of days. Ain't going to be no rain. And you go, well, that's no big deal. No, think about this. There's no wind. Everything stinks because there's 4 billion dead dudes, people, cattle, everything. The, all the grass is dead, well, well, most of it. All the fish in the ocean are dead. That stinks. And now no rain? Who wants to live on earth then? Not me. Not me. And they also have the power over waters to turn them to blood and strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Can you imagine? Now, listen, i got to be honest with you. I sort of envy this, don't, don't you? Don't you? I mean, could you imagine? Now, first of all, fire comes out of their mouth. I think that would just be cool. I think that would just be cool. Like, I wish I had that gift. You know what I mean? Somebody you don't like? What? <laughs> Dead. Don't mess with me, man. <laughs> but I'm not one of the witnesses. You know what I'm saying? But I, I just think that would be a cool gift. I don't know where I'd go, but I think we need a table now. Really? Guys, we read in the Old Testament that Elijah prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Okay? Moses turned the water, right, of the Nile into blood and a lot of plagues on Egypt. So I don't know who they are. And quite honestly, I'd rather get a, a heaven's view of it. Check it out. 
Whoo! I bet that look that dude's running scared. Watch. Oh, man, missed him. Golly, that's that's what I want to see. I don't want I, I don't want to be down here, and I know neither do you. How about number four? Let's consider their protection, their power, and their protection. Look at verse five. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And anyone wants to harm them, check this out. He must be killed in this manner. So again. The way I was going to use it, wrong. It was any of those that want to harm them. So they come up and they go, listen, I don't like the way you're preaching this Jesus thing. Listen, we want a world without God. This is how they're going to die. This is how they're going to die, guys. Um, guys, it's very similar to Elijah in 2 Kings verse 1, where the king of Samaria sent 50 men. Do you guys remember that? 50 men to Elijah, and they said to him, thou man of God, come they said to come down, and Elijah answered and said, Men, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and 50. That happened two other times. Finally, the king sent two more groups, and the second experience came to the same fate as the first. But the third captain came, and he fell on his face before the knees before Elijah, and he pleaded with him, right? He's like, he said this, like he said, look, fire has come down from heaven and burned the first two captain of 50s and their, and their 50s, but let my life be precious in your sight. And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him, do not be afraid of him. So he rose and went down basically with him to the king. So, so we know all about being toast. And he's going to be burnt. Now, look at verse 7. And when they finished their testimony, the beast, okay, so when they finish their ministry, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. So they're going to die, okay? But here's what I want you to know. If you're taking note, this is a good thing to know. You go, what's that? The enemy has no power over them until their ministry is complete. You guys tracking with me, Okay? And I think it's the same thing for us. How so? God knows the number of our days. And there are certain things that God would have us to do and accomplish for his glory. And no one can stop the purposes of God in my life. Right? No one can take my life until God's divine purpose for my life is accomplished. We don't have to fear. I'm not going to die one day before God says. I'm not going to die one day after. He's not going to be in heaven going, oh, I wasn't expecting you. Sorry. <laughs> when did this happen? Oh, Michael, get over here. Where's the book? He's not going to say that. He knows exactly what's going to happen. So he doesn't want us to fear. And he doesn't want us to do life that way. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. When the Lord says it's time, the beast kills them. And uh, in verse 9 and 10, and when, when these guys are killed, guess what happens? The whole world celebrates. Are we so backwards or what? Can you imagine? Now, again, I'm, I'm just, let, let me present this because you ain't going to be here. Okay. But it says that, guys, from every tribe, tongue, and nation, they're going to see their dead bodies. Guys, that means the world right here. And they're going to be lying there in Jerusalem for three and a half days. And they're not going to allow anybody to come. And they're going to be, oh, look at this. This is what happens. And, guys, this could be Christmas. Because they're going to be sending each other gifts. Hey, I don't know, ding, dong, the prophets are dead, here's a gift. I mean, I don't know, right? But it's just so backwards. It's so backwards. But that's the world that has rejected God. The world celebrates. And the way we have the, and the way technology advances, guys, man, we'll have a live stream, internet, satellite, everybody's going to see Everybody's going to see. Why are they so excited? Why are they sending gifts to one another? Because the Bible says that these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now, what kind of torment could they do? Let me tell you, one of the greatest torment a person can find is being convicted of sin when they don't want to change. 
Stop talking to me. Oh, leave me alone. Judge not. Judge. Yes, you be judged. I don't want to change. Leave me alone. And that's exactly what the world's going to do. Listen, leave us alone. Leave us alone. Their testimony is going to be so powerful, guys, that it's going to be mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. The earth, the people in the earth are going to finally, man, they're going to feel like, man, we finally got rid of anything that would remind them of God. And they can finally do what they want. And that's why man tries so hard not to have to deal with God. Let me do what I want to do. But you know, I was thinking about this in my office. There's no better life than to surrender your life to God. There's not. When, when he's in control, I don't have to worry about anything. And really, who can do whatever they want anyway? Nobody. It's just better to be under God's grace and smile. I don't get to do what I want. You don't get to do what you want. You think you do. Mm-mm. God's going to bring them to life, guys. I love this. The, the breath of life is going to be entered. And, and guys, that's what we need. We really need the breath of life, of, uh, the breath of God in us. That's what we need. After three and a half days, God's going to bring their life in, 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 and they're going to watch them ascend to heaven. I bet they're going to be like this. I wonder if they're going to ask for their presents back. Wait, the two guys are alive? Give me that present back. <laughs> you don't need that Rolex or whatever it is. I'm just saying. And I wonder for those in the United States and around the world, is it going to be replayed over and over? Breaking news. Today, the two witnesses that were laying in the streets for three and a half days are alive. Well, let's go over to our reporter, John. Well, um, we're not sure how they lived, but they got up and walked away, and now they're in heaven. Number five, lastly, I want you to notice their impact. Verse 13, in the same hour, there was a great earthquake. And a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid, and gave glory to God of heaven, of course. Right? Many believed that the rest mentioned here refers to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the Jews. At this point, the remaining Jews are converted. It is shortly after this earthquake that the scene returns to the Lord. Okay? So remember, back and forth, back and forth. Now, when I was reading this, I reminded me of, do you guys remember the Ten Commandments when Moses came down? Now, listen, I'm just, I'm just going after the Charlton Heston one. Do you remember? He's walking down like this, and he says, right, who is on the Lord's side? Great Charlton and Heston impression. Who is on the Lord? And then they're like, ah! And then he takes the tablets, remember, and he's like, Poof. It's so dramatic, but it's a big earthquake, and all these guys are all that. I was kind of thinking like that, right? It's like they see, they're like, look at those guys go up. And he says 7,000, but so much so that the remaining Jews are converted. It's God. It's God. It's God. Okay, so let's close. Let's close with this. Why would we want to wait to see all of this when God's mercy is here today? Right, Eva? We were talking about that earlier. We're just shaking our heads going, really, Lord? See, the purpose of what we read today, these two witnesses, are to bring men and women back to God. That was their purpose. So as we consider what we've been through in these last two years and what's happening in the future, let us be reminded that God's mercy is here and now. And let me remind you of this. God loves you so very much, that he sent his son so that you could be with him forever. And he, in his heart, desires that nobody should perish. Nobody should be lost in eternal damnation. What more could he do? He sent his son to pay for me. All I have to do is receive the one who died for me. That's all I have to do.
And, and here's what I love, guys. In your mind, picture God with his arms open wide. And the Spirit is saying, I'm calling you home. Come home. Come home. And what he wants us to do, guys, is he wants us to surrender our lives to God. That's all he wants. He wants a complete surrender. His mercy is new, and it's beautiful. It's not about playing church. Those days are gone. It's about being fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's what it's about. I pray that our hearts would be transformed to him. Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love, and uh, we just bless you, Lord. We pray for those that are watching online, Lord, and those who are listening via podcast, Lord. I pray for those that are going to click on later, Lord, and, and whatever you have for them, Lord, I pray you would speak to them. I also pray, God, for the day that the Holy Spirit would fall afresh on us again. That, Lord, that, that it would be so thick and so loving and so amazing, God, that tears would just flow from our eyes. And, and Lord, we can't help but just worship you and just praise you, Lord. I pray for that day. We've gotten so far from you, God. Father, I thank you, God, that even now, after service, we can just celebrate each other, God, with, with cake and ice cream and, and just, Lord, it's not even about the cake and ice cream. It's just about being with each other and enjoying each other's company. Thank you for the hens that provided that. Lord, you want your people just to rejoice and to love each other. I thank you for our friend, Dr. Debbie. Thank you for this church. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.